Head over to patreon.com slash severe MMA podcast to sign up for our premium content. From the Q&A to the rewatch, we provide multiple shows per week for all your combat sports needs. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA Podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 307 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Pod God, joined today by the Art Lohanan of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about, do you know what? It wasn't the greatest week in the world of MMA, to be honest, but it might be a good week coming up uh, next week. So we have a bit of news to talk about coming up there, and uh, we will go over some of the fights from the week. And actually... I I have a I have a bit of a thing to start us off with. Can we, I think we're we're entering kind of a new era of uh, of MMA, but we will we will get to that in a second. But the first thing I want to say is that we are presented today by Manscaped, and our friends at Manscaped say, "Hey, you, you got Bush." You definitely do if you haven't tried the new uh, best products from our sponsors, Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join the Ball Sack Beauty Contest. I'm looking out for you too because I have an exclusive 20% off uh, using the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. And I know myself and Graham have been using Manscaped for a long time. Where's my Manscaped? I have it here. The last time. They, they told us we sounded like Formula One cars the last time, Graham, when our Manscaped products <laughs> gone in the background. So we've been using them religiously now for about uh, for about six months. We're as bald as fucking Dana White's head uh, using our Manscaped down, <laughs> downstairs. And uh, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you uh, with your full body grooming game with our perfect package 3.0 kit, uh, which has the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, which you just heard. Uh, it's waterproof, cordless, ball trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine or uh, with that as well uh the 3.0 is the best trimmer uh, to help you help your hedges this trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade reducing grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by manscaped when you trim the hedges the tree stands taller the perfect package uh inside the perfect package you'll find the manscaped crop preserver which is absolutely brilliant i use all the time uh and it's a ball deodorant making your balls this smelling majestic before your tinder date you'll also find a crop reviver ball toner a spray on testy toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible uh, be sure to f- uh, add the refined cologne to your package as well with a personal uh, with the perfect package or um, a performance package purchase you get two free gifts the shed travel bag 39 dollars in value which is absolutely fantastic if we could only go somewhere uh, to use it and uh, but we will be hopefully now here soon and the patented high performance reducing chafing uh, manscape boxes which i know a lot of the lads over on patreon absolutely uh, love so get 20 percent off from free shipping with the code severe mma at manscape.com do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for your trimming experience so that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at or severe at severe mma at com. let me say that again that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com it's 2020 and you still got bush change that with manscaped now Graham, how are you any any crack any crack 2021 yeah 
2021. 2021. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Living in the past, oh, like Man fans. Oh, God. I like Liverpool, though. <laughs> Liverpool fans love 2020. It's the best, lives, best year of your lives. You're stuck indoors, you know. In the great, there's going to be fans back sure, to see we're just making the Champions League interesting for everybody. Making the Champions League interesting for everybody, you know. One of these these famous comebacks uh, en route to another can we have glorious a, victory. Can we have a little bit of a... Can we have a bit of a Trent Alexander-Arnold discussion at the end of the podcast? Because we can't do it now because everyone will tune out, but I really want yeah, to have that yeah, discussion. We'll, we'll wait at yeah, the end of the yeah. podcast. So, come here, speaking about, like, that, that sort of thing. Uh, do you know, the, the new... We, we talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? And he's kind of a new era of... Uh, of, of f- footballer you know maybe not the the best in all areas but fantastic in some areas i feel like mma is kind of going that way a bit and i feel like we're in a new era now because I, I put up a thing the other day and we talk about uh obviously we're going to talk about all the cards in a second but this is one kind of um narrative i think uh has built up for me over the last week just because i've put out of a tweet i put out and after demetrius johnson lost i kind of thought to myself right Demetrius lost. I thought he was still right up there for pound for pound best in the world. Lost to a very good guy, Adriano Moraes. And if anyone was listening to uh, the, the Chasing Pack with myself and Ian, we, we very much told you about uh, that fight and uh, about how it's a tough one for, for Demetrius. And I know Capoz and a lot of other people did as well. But uh, however, Demetrius lost. Um, John Jones has been on the shelf. We haven't seen him in a long time. Um, obviously, Conor McGregor has lost a few fights now. Um uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is is retired. Uh, Tony Ferguson, who was up there in the pound for pound list, has lost a couple of fights. So that era, I think, of the guys who we were talking about, who are the best fighters in the world in the UFC. Like e- even if you look at say in, in Bellator, you had a Michael Chandler and uh, and Eddie Alvarez. Okay, Michael Chandler's fighting for the for the belt now, but I don't think anyone be talking about him near the pound for pound list. And Eddie Alvarez obviously hasn't been the same in the last couple of years uh, here as well. Even in his uh, in his uh, at the end of his UFC rant, so we're in a very much I think a new era. I I put out the uh, tweet and said who is the best pound for pound, and a lot of people obviously said Amanda Nunes, but you know Amanda Nunes is number one uh, of the women's. But I think we're we're better off to, to separate out men and women. We're talking about this, but I think almost everyone said Usman. You know uh, who you know apart from Nunes. Almost everyone. A lot of people said uh, Volkanovski as well. Uh, I think uh, Phil over in uh, over in Bloody Elbow was saying about Volkanovski. A lot of people kind of chimed in and agreed. And I think up until a couple of months ago, maybe people would have said uh, Adesanya as well. You'd have food for Inganu. But I think you know after that, I'm looking at the rankings here, and you have uh, you have Poria, Majorcic, Blahovic, Max Holloway, Figueiredo. Some obviously very good guys there, but guys who are not maybe getting the 10 or 15 <laughs> wins in a row that we've seen out of guys to get there to the very top and i feel like it's an, a very interesting and a kind of a cool time for mma because over the next couple of years say if habib stays gone if we don't see much of john jones there is going to be a new greatest fighter in the world and i know you're graham you're a great advocate for saying the greatest fighter in the world at the moment is the greatest fighter of all time just because how quickly the, the game moves and uh I think we're at that kind of precipice now where we're moving on to a yeah. new era of great fighters. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely up for debate a lot. Like, you know, in the past, we've had like really dominant champions like, you know, uh, GSP, Anderson Silva, things like that. And even John Jones. Now, if you look at who's like the longest reigning champion, Adesanya, coming off a, coming off a loss in a different way, I know. But, you know, he, you could make an argument for him and you were saying people were. But I don't think, I don't think there's like uh, any... 
any standout that you could say, oh, that's definitely the pound for pound, or these, it's between these two. Just, mm-hmm. It's kind of up for grabs at the moment. Uh, as you said, the game's kind of change, and uh, everybody's so well-rounded. You know, everybody's able to, you know, not everybody, but n- nearly all the fighters are able to, like, you know, pretty much easily fend off, like, submissions that aren't, that aren't like from high level guys, you know, we're not seeing people, as you say, like to just use dead or whatever. And we, we make a joke about arm bars when they happen, you know, yeah. Be- just because people are so evolved and mm-hmm. there's, there's no, there's no easy fights now. You know what I mean? And even at the, the top of the divisions, like you, 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 there's no, there's no like kingpin, kingpin that's been there. For, like, you know, DJ, how many times was it? Nine or 10 times he defended his belt. Anderson yeah. eight or nine times, GSP six, something like that. Mm-hmm. Jones, around the same you know that that's I, I don't see that happening for a little while here while this kind of this kind of um, uh influx of kind of prospects for the for the, the best fighter in the world kind of even themselves out or, or it, it plays out you know it, it, if you ask me like who's going to be the best fighter in the world in two years i've no idea yeah and even if you look I at the that's divisions, a really good thing as well it, yeah i think it is actually because like that's that's the issue now in women's MMA a little bit because uh, okay apart from maybe the the strawweight division but you have uh, Valentina who's dominant obviously she's a very tough matchup coming up in Jessica Andrade which we'll speak about next week and in Nunes in the other two divisions just absolutely dominant altogether uh, Amanda Nunes that is <laughs> we get to Nina Nunes in, in a while but if you look at the divisions say uh, I'll just run quickly through them and this is a very obviously um, uh, pointed. Uh, maybe not negative, but like if you look, look at Figueroa, he drew. And you said there's no easy matchups. I think a lot of people probably would have said uh, Brandon Moreno was an easy matchup. Okay, I didn't think it was the best decision in the world, but a close fight, and he drew that one. Sterling, we know what happened there. There with Jan Volkanovski, two of the closest title fights we've ever had with Max Holloway uh, coming up uh, in his last fight. No lightweight champion at the moment because obviously because Habib is gone. Usman, obviously the standout, which everyone uh, is is talking about, but he some tough matchups coming up if a lot of you know a lot of people fancy edwards he's a close fight with covington but i think he's a standout at the moment adesanya obviously at middleweight as you mentioned is a standout but just lost to blahovic blahovic himself i think a lot of people talk him down because of john jones gone from the division so he doesn't maybe stand out even though that's not his fault you know and then you have francis ingano who obviously just won the belt but in the, the whole jones thing is around him as well so there's a lot there's no like you couldn't i couldn't have said that about anderson silva at almost any point of his career Maybe after Chel Sonnen, you could have said, oh, yeah, Chel Sonnen beat him for four rounds if they're rematch again, Chel beat him. But at most points of his career, I don't think you could have made that big argument about him that way or about GSP that way. And I think that's not that's not a negative, I don't think, for MMA or for the UFC. I think it's a positive, as you mentioned. It's just the sport has evolved so much that anyone like in the top five or six of these divisions has given the champion a very, very tough matchup. And I see lads over in, um, as we, we'll get to the Vittorian in a few minutes, but I see lads in the, the Patreon group talking about uh, a lot to lads going to decisions these days. And I think decisions are going to become more and more prevalent in MMA over the next few years just because it's going to be tougher to uh, to finish, lads. It's going to be tougher to uh, to submit them and, and to knock them out because of, you know, just the, the intricacies of the game are becoming, are becoming more known by, I think, everyone. I, like... I still think there's a long way to go because MMA there's so much and there's so much to learn and it's it's difficult to be really really good at everything but we're going that way and we're getting better and I think best practices are improving and everything like that so it's, it's a very very interesting and fun time for MMA I'd really think 
we're uh, i think in in the world of mma and like um the ufc where they were going to go and tv deals and stuff we were in a big transition there i think maybe 18 months ago or a year ago i did a state of the ufc i think that's settled down a little bit now the ufc have their tv deal bellator have their tv deal uh you know they have kind of there is there doesn't seem to be much um free agency at the moment so that's kind of settled but now i think we're settling into who is becoming the best like bellator have their rankings now and we can kind of see more clearly who's going to become the best in bellator and with pitbull versus aj mckee it's a huge fight and with the ufc as well i think things are about to not not settle down but settle themselves down due to the fights we have coming up over the next while so it's in a boring week for mma i think i i found something exciting in it <laughs> there wasn't many great fights but i feel like over the next while we have okay we have once we get this masvidal usman fight out of the way uh i think then in that division it's going to be absolutely it's going to be mega and we will talk about the um the uh, middleweight division in a second but you know the lower weight classes kind of take care of themselves as well uh but it's uh yeah I- i'm looking forward to see who kind of emerges as that next guy we all know in the, in the women's divisions we have uh we have two very much emergent top of the top of the food chain and maybe three if you talk about zhang Weili and if she wins next week as well um <clears throat> our, our rows and in, in the other way around but uh yeah it's interesting to see what the what the men do so um Let's transition here when we're talking about the the greatest of all time into uh, let, let's talk about one FC. Just first. Just, just before you go, go just yeah, oh yeah, but great, great. Because I was gonna say about DJ. Do you think that's you're kind of saying like that's it? He's not one of the best, or he's not the best in in the world anymore. Mm-hmm. But do you think like you know if if that was under different rules in in the UFC, do you think he would have been finished there? Like I, probably not. I, you know I, what I mean? I and know. maybe he comes back. I think he would have. I think it was the uppercut that actually caused the damage more than the knee on the ground itself. No, it de- the knee it on the ground it, definitely finished him. It but. definitely hurt him, but yeah, yeah. Like, you know, um, maybe he would have been, but, but even if even if that was like, you know, that didn't happen it was, and he just went out and lost, that could have just been a bad day at the office. You know, maybe the motivation wasn't there. Maybe if he came back to the UFC, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be ruling DJ out kind of completely yet at, no. at, at all. Like, you know, uh, I wouldn't either. You know, he went in against a good guy. He lost. Mm-hmm. These things happen in MMA. He's fought a lot of fights. You know what I mean? Uh, he's been in a lot, the cage a lot of time and everybody gets caught. Like everybody, anybody can get hit with a, with a nice uppercut from a experience or from a, a skilled opponent. Yeah. Uh, this uh, so is... yeah, like, uh, I'll be interesting to see how mm-hmm. DJ reacts to this. You know, is he going to be re-motivated to go again or is he going to be like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this shit. Like, I think this is actually where it's good to have the nuance of a podcast to be able to discuss this because I put this out during the week and a lot of people are kind of like roaring at me go, oh, Demetrius Johnson loses once and you think he's no more good. Now, I still think Demetrius Johnson is the greatest fighter we've ever seen. Absolutely make no mistake about that. But when you're talking about pound for pound, it's a current thing, you know? And if someone loses, they're I think they're kind of off the pound for pound list or are away from it anyway. Unless, you know, Demetrius Johnson goes up and he fights fucking Volkanovski at 145. That's a little bit of a different thing. Even, I, I like, uh, you see Adesanya on the list. He lost to... Um, uh, he lost to uh, Blahovich, and he's still above Blahovich, if I'm not mistaken, or he was recently, anyway. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Do I agree with that totally? But Dimitri Shan, the, look, the, the weird thing about this is right as well. A lot of people are kind of saying, "Oh, Adriano Moraes is much bigger than him, and this is actually a 135 fight and all." Um, and I think that's true, but Adriano Moraes has fought at 125. He was a champion over in Brazil at 125. So it's not like Dimitri Johnson has gone out there fighting guys, you know, that couldn't make 125 and that they're gaming the system or something like that. Now, 
he was much but bigger. I don't, know, I don't know if he can make 125 now. You yeah, know, that's Because he did well look well, a lot yeah. bigger. Like maybe in the past when he had to make 125, he'd make them adjustments in his mm-hmm. camp, you know, restrict calories early, all that stuff. So yeah. he doesn't have to do that. Like, you know, so that's definitely a factor in there as well. But uh, yeah, like, you know, DJ didn't have to cut the weight either. So like, yeah. yeah but DJ, Demetrius uh, Johnson, like, I, I, for me, I believe he's a 115 or more than a 125, to be honest. They look at him at the weekend, uh, or, or last Windsor, whenever it was, and he did not look like the cut Demetrius Johnson that we've seen before. Now, look, I'm, I'm not making excuses for him or anything. He got beat by the better fighter. And a lot of people are, are making the excuse of, and I know you didn't do that because you believe in the rules and we know the rules that they have. But the, the knee on the ground is like, oh, he wouldn't have lost if it was in America. And, may, you know, maybe he wouldn't, but it doesn't. that doesn't matter. That's the rules that, that they have there. It's allowed, and he lost fair and square. Adrian Ranamarice is a very, very good fighter, and he deserves it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, to be honest. It doesn't matter if Demetrius is as good as he ever was. It doesn't matter if he wasn't in the shape he would normally be. It doesn't matter if he was out uh, beaten by a bigger guy. He was beaten. He was beaten fair and square, and that's that. And when that happens... I don't. I just think you're immediately off the pound for pound list at the moment. That doesn't mean he's off the list for the greatest of all time. And I actually hate that as well. Like I, I was a big advocate for when Rousey lost those two fights to not forget how great of a fighter she was when everyone seemed to be doing it. And I think it was with Rousey, she was a kind of an unlikable sort of character as well, so it made it easier for people. But like. <laughs> just because someone loses you know Demetrius Johnson has lost before you know a lot, everyone loses in MMA unless your name is Habib Megamedov and, or, and uh, the, the judges favor you over Glass and TV. <laughs> you know but it's uh, it's a natural thing it doesn't mean Demetrius Johnson wasn't a great fighter in his head it doesn't mean he's still not a great fighter it just means he's not the best in the world at the moment you know you couldn't call him the pound for pound best when there's a guy out there like Adrian Marlon Rice who just beat him so maybe if you want to call him the, the pound for pound best that's it but um, in in the fight itself, I suppose if we're analysing that, um, I went back and I did the rewatch of I believe it was Demetrius's last fight, if I'm not mistaken. Let me click into it here. But it was a fight over in uh, over in One FC anyway. And to be honest, I thought he he it was it was a couple of fights ago. I was in the, the end of 2019, so it was you know the last time he fought was in 2019, so it wasn't too far away from the last time he fought. And I I still thought he looked uh, quick. He looked good in in all areas. But if you look at Demetrius as well, he's 34 years of age now, 35 this year. We, With smaller guys, it's a little bit different as well. When you lose that little bit of speed, when you get a little bit older, it is going to be tougher for the smaller guys, uh, I think. And uh, look, with everyone in MMA, with everyone in every sport, it's it usually doesn't get better on a short, maybe a heavyweight MMA when, when age comes. But uh, yeah, for, for Demetrius, it was... I didn't think he was as fast in this fight maybe as he was in, in the in the other fights. And I think Maurice's ability as well kind of helped with that because Demetrius coming in, he was getting caught with those uppercuts and those little knees to the body inside. And Maurice was just not making it easy on him in any way. And that uppercut, that was a beautiful shot that he landed the uppercut inside. And obviously the, the grounded knee then uh, was, uh, was a beautiful shot as well. But I think he would have finished him anyway, even if there weren't grounded knees, to be honest. Now, we'll never know that. But I thought... I thought the fight was going to be stopped at the uppercut, and I didn't even see the grounded knee from because of the camera angle the first time around, and then they showed it again. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. But uh, it was a beautiful performance from Marais. He did everything against the toughest matchup you, you could possibly have in a Dimitri Johnson. He did fantastic. What, what did you think of uh, of the performance of both guys? Oh, well, yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant performance. He can't take anything away. Like, we're, we're, we're talking about DJ the whole time, but, uh, you know, he went in there, you know, he finished uh, comprehensively one of the best, if not the best of all time, as, as, as we've been talking 
talking about so you can't take anything away there like yeah. we, we, we talked about it before the podcast or before the the fight on the podcast you know how uh, out there in the wilderness like out there in no man's land in 1FC is he is DJ like you know motivated the same uh, yeah. after all he's achieved and all can he like when you've achieved so much can you kind of at mid 30s be as motivated to you know fight some guy people nobody outside of hardcore has even heard of um it, you could see why it might be hard to motivate yourself but maybe you know maybe now like you know a loss the the sting of that the the desire will come back it might be it might be the best thing that happened to dj maybe it'll you know give him the kick up the ass that he wanted or maybe or that he needed or maybe it'll be you know where he realizes he doesn't need this anymore so yeah. i'm very interested to see what happens after this like uh I'd be, I'd be even interested to see, like, you know, what kind of shape he's in in fight week, the, the next fight, if, if he if he fights. As you said, he wasn't in, wasn't in like, you know, D-Day shape. And I know he doesn't have to doesn't have to make that weight. But even when he was fighting at 135 in the UFC, uh, he he looked in better nick. Like, so maybe there was some kind of, you know, maybe there was some kind of injury going on. Nobody, we don't really know. He's like, we don't really know what was going on. But uh, even if he lost fair and square, like which which he did, like uh, from all indication, you know this this could easily you know reinvigorate him and make him come back. I think I think DJ like you know I'd love to see him back in the UFC, but I think that's I don't know. I think with Dana and the, the lighter weight's not really drawing and stuff like that. I think it's 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 become much more unlikely now with that loss. Like you know, if you had a if Figueredo could win a couple more in the UFC and you could bring DJ back in as the kind of the guy who never lost it and has been, you know, ragdolling guys uh, on 1FC or whatever, it, it probably sells a bit more. But also when something happens out and, you know, when a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to see it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. do, the, do most fans even know that that fight happened? Like, yeah, and 1FC had terrible, terrible um, numbers on TNT as well this week coming after AEW, which I think uh, AEW had a bad week this week because it was like the last ever week of NXT wrestling and the reason I said that is because 1FC was right after it so it got the lead in from it so it got a smaller lead in and didn't keep any of them I think it had 195,000 people watching it which is absolutely atrocious when you have Dimitri Shanson and Eddie Alvarez uh, both on the card so yeah it's it, from that point of view it's it's not great for them um but you know it's 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 an interesting one, and and Demetrius is a guy who, you know, as well. But he he can bounce back, and as you said, I think it's good. Maybe a loss will will help him if he is lacking that motivation. We've seen it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a long-told story at this stage of MMA. Someone drops out of the big show and, look, they either motivate themselves to say, like, a Ryan Bader or someone like that, and they come back and they win belts all over the place, or they go, like, you know, a Shea Mills and just lose fight after fight after fight outside of there. And it's, you know, it's 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 an, uh, an old-told story, I suppose. But um, the, a few people have talked about the weight classes in 1FC as well and that their, their lack of, like, telling us what's going on with the weight classes, and that's another interesting thing as well, but... I suppose that's a discussion for another day. The Eddie Alvarez uh, fight as well uh, on this was, uh, <laughs> I suppose, an interesting one. To me, how I saw it, so if anyone didn't see it, it ended in disqualification. Uh, the fight was on the ground. Eddie had his head uh, right into uh, Yuri Lapikus's head, so he was kind of uh, in full guard, if I'm not mistaken, um, and he was kind of throwing shots to the head of Lapikus. Now... When Lapicus kind of the the fight kind of got to where Eddie was thrown towards the side slash back of the head of Lapicus, um, 
and a lot the referee I think he was aiming for the ear yeah well yeah. The, what happened was the referee and was like turning the back of his head to try and yeah. <laughs> try and make him hit the back of his head I, I look the referee warned him there was definitely one shot that was to the back of the head without a shadow of a doubt and the referee warned him but to me a lot of people are kind of mistaken by they're like he's hitting him in the spine he's hitting him in the neck you're allowed to hit someone in the neck as long as it's not the back of the neck and like the you know the uh, the mohawk from the the top of your head right down if you're hitting someone in the side of the face in the side of the neck there's that's absolutely legal there's nothing wrong with that and to me the vast majority of those shots were from there now what and that to, that doesn't even matter that's the semantics of where did you think the shots landed and i think one or two were one definitely was to the back of the head you could argue maybe two and the others were kind of connecting just behind the ear um but that's whether you believe that or not i actually don't think it matters for this because the referee warned him right the referee warned him to you're hitting the back of the head um and as he did that, and as he said it the second time, Lapicus started to hammer up, and he jumped backwards as if he'd been hurt by a big shot, which he absolutely hadn't been. And then Eddie Alvarez hit him with a big hammer fist, an absolutely legal shot, which was the finishing blow. Now, some people say afterwards, then there was another shot to the back of the head. But when you're moving like that, after you've just been hit with a big hammer fist, that's not an illegal shot. It doesn't matter if it hits you to the back of the head. That guy is moving so quickly that Eddie Alvarez could hit him, and it, it, if it hits him to the back of the head, you can't uh, call Eddie Alvarez responsible for that. So, for me, a disqualification, I, I don't think so. Like the, the ref, to, to me, the referee allowed Lapicus to make the call for him and then was like okay yeah I probably should have stepped in there and then disqualified him you can't do that you can't go back and re-ref it you know to me Lapicus refed the situation got him put himself into a bad situation and was knocked out by a legal blow from Eddie Alvarez so I think that's a TKO win for Eddie Alvarez I know Eddie came out and kind of said that as well and usually in this situation I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't agree with the, the fighter and, and their bias point of view towards it but I, I just if if Lapicus hadn't ref the fight himself, and then the ref decided to step in, and Eddie Alvarez had knocked him out, absolutely a disqualification. I think one hundred percent. But when the referee wasn't the one who stepped in, before Lapicus decided to step in himself, basically play it up and put himself in a position where he wasn't intelligently defending himself, you know, I would have said absolutely. But when he did that, I think that's a TKO. How how did you see it? What way did uh, did you think it should have ended? Yeah, well, like you know. Uh... I'm just thinking, you know, is it intelligent def defense to turn the back of your head towards the punch so that the guy can't or shouldn't be allowed to punch you there anymore? Yeah. I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah. but you like that, I, mean? I think it's that's like putting your finger down on the ground. You know, it's like putting yeah. your finger down on the ground so you can't knee in the head, and not in one FC, but in in UFC. So I suppose it is intelligent defense. But he was turning his head in order to try and make Eddie Alvarez hit him in the back of the head. He was trying to, like, use as a, as an out, I think. Yeah. And as you said, it, he, he, like, hammed it up and basically refed the, and told the ref what to do, and the ref just went along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I think the wrong decision. Um, I suppose he was intelligent defending himself, but Eddie Alvarez was, was prone to flurry of punches, and most of them were on the ear, or, or uh, most of them were completely legal. Um, a couple of them might have slipped only because of the... The, the strange turning of the head towards or back of the head towards the punch, which is usually not what, what happens. And Eddie Alvarez is in the heat of the moment, throwing punches, trying to finish, about to finish this guy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the ref the ref got it really wrong and was kind of just bullied by, uh, yeah. <laughs> was bullied into his decision or didn't have the balls to to be like, no, you're TKO'd, mate. Yeah, and I think Ed, where Eddie was as well, he kind of, his face was covered 
by uh, I think it was the arm so he couldn't really see what he was hitting and when the ref warned him he tried to adjust and Eddie kind of called it very and well on the replay at the end when you're about to finish the guy you know what I mean yeah when you're about to finish the guy you're throwing punches finish, you don't expect the guy to turn the back of his head yeah the, like the, la- the last two punches where he was finished, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay, the first few, you can argue whether they were back of the head or not. I didn't think most of them were. I think a couple of them were. But when your man, like, jumped backwards, when he hit him with the hammer fist and then hit him with the other shot, which was, to, I think, probably to the back of the head as well. But now you can't you can't call that one because it was so much moving. I don't think there was anything wrong with those ones. Like, those ones weren't, the, 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 you know, those ones weren't illegal shots. And the finishing shots were legal blows. They were just legal blows in a position which Lapicus put himself because he thought illegal blows came before and decided to ref the fight himself so i don't know look it was it was one you could debate all day i suppose but i think we're both kind of under the on the same and i think a lot of people look uh, whether you think they're illegal blows or not illegal blows the referee has to make that decision if the re- uh, ref had stepped in and go right you landed five or six illegal blows there your man is hurt he can't go on that's a disqualification i i would have said fair enough but that's not what happened your man decided to ref it himself so anyway um Elsewhere on the card there, Raymond Magomedliev got a, a win over Tyler Maguire, who moved to 8-1, and one, uh, and our boy Rugrug came in as well, just threw loads of shots, got the finish uh, early in uh, in round one over uh, Patrick Schmidt, who fell to 0-1, which tells you probably all you need to know about it, um, another fantastic one, and look, the UFC or, or um, Bellator need to sign him up immediately, I think Bellator probably will, but like this guy is... He's a fan favorite. He's very exciting. He's an absolute animal, and I think he's improving as well. You know, this could be one of these situations where people don't realize he's improving and don't realize he's getting good. Uh, and I think it might be too late if that's uh, if you're Sean Shelby or McMahon or whoever you might be, because he might be snapped up elsewhere. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think Rug Rug needs to be signed by the UFC pretty soon. Maybe give him one or two more in one FC. Hopefully, he's a bit of a contract there. They're doing a good job with him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't wait until. Uh, he moves on but because he's so uh he's so brilliant um right let's talk about the ufc next because I, I suppose a lot of people are um are waiting for us to talk about that and then we'll uh snap back and talk about um about bellator um this ufc card was pretty boring to be honest what did you think of the main event Mar- marvin vittori kevin holland I, like it was it was one of those ones where vittori apart from the first round kind of dominated and when you're dominating and it turns boring and you're on the verge of a title shot that's never a good sign is it yeah well you know obviously Fatori kind of you know he did what he needed to do to to win handily but yeah um you're in a big spot in the main event i know it's not the biggest car but it's it's ufc on abc you know it's not it's not a you're not buried on a on a random card, you know, um, where nobody's going to notice if your fight was boring, but, um, you know, uh, it's a, it's, it's a short notice thing. Maybe that played into it a bit as well. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't a, wasn't the exciting main event that everybody was hoping for, but, you know, on Vittori's party, you know, he took a dangerous enough opponent on short notice and, got another win so you know he had a close a close loss to to Adesanya uh, a few fights ago so obviously uh if he can just keep winning he he needs to be back in that situation or in, back in that um, position to maybe get a title shot so you know if he goes out there in his next one and looks impressive this will all be forgotten but uh yeah i think uh definitely not the 
impressive performance that maybe would have catapulted him into the discussion. Yeah, I think the issue here for Vittori is this exact same thing happened to Kevin Holland a while back against Derek Brunson, you know, about three weeks ago. And Brunson probably beat him in more impressive fashion. Um, and you're on the verge of a title shot and you need to do something. Like Kevin Holland, I think, at this stage of his career, now I'm not saying he can't change it in the future, but I think he's proven he's not that high-level quality yet. He's not in the title reckon, uh, reckoning yet. He's a good top 10, top 15 guy at the moment. Could improve, could get better. Uh, but he, he is not there at the moment. And when he comes out after a round... Herb Dean asks him, can you see? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, can you see? He's like, what, what, what does that mean? And then he, he like, I think, I, I don't know if people are, are kind of just willfully denying it or whatever, but there's absolutely no way he could see out of that eye for, what was it, two, two rounds, three rounds, two and a half rounds? <clears throat> he absolutely couldn't. And Vittori, every time he was throwing a shot, he was hurting him. He was rocking him backwards. He was getting him on the ground. He was able to land big ground and pound. Anytime he moved in into a position, Holland wasn't moving. He was getting space. He wasn't going anywhere. And Vittori still couldn't finish him. Like, and you might say I'm being very harsh here. He dominated him. He won 50, uh, 44 on all, all three uh, judges' cards, a 10-8. I, I, I don't know. It was a, I think it was the second might have been a, a 10-8. But I think when you are right at the top of the division, when you have already been beaten by the champion... And when Robert Whitaker has already beaten by beaten by the champion too, and has gone in there looking great in all of his fights, you have to do something extra. And when, as well, when you're not a likable character, when you're not really a big draw, I think you have to do something extra. And to me, Vittori just didn't do it when it was there for the taking as well. Now Kevin Holland's not an easy out. He's a tough guy, you know, fighting with one eye for uh, for half of that fight. Absolutely, take nothing away from Kevin Holland. And it was a good win for Vittori. Don't get me wrong, but if this was a win. It was his first main event, and he was fighting, you know, a, a top fifteen against a, a, another top fifteen guy. Absolutely, but when you're fighting, if he, was fighting the tail, top, if he was fighting tail, which he was supposed to fight, mm-hmm. maybe this was the game plan, you know, for t- for tail to kind of, you know, stench it up, yeah. <laughs> and he just goes, okay, we're just going to do this to Holland. Maybe that was part part of it, and what he was already training to do. But yeah, you know. Um, definitely not the the impressive performance you know um as you mentioned you know he had a couple of chances to finish kevin holland he had a an arm triangle at one stage and he just really kind of didn't know how to finish it mm-hmm. i think um yeah i think you know he still has has a lot of work to do you know if he uh, if he wants to actually you know uh, obviously he wants to make a run of being the actual champion i think if he goes in against Izzy now like this again and he loses again, which he, I think he probably would. Then you know a third fight against Izzy if Izzy stays at the top of the the, the, the middleweight division is a hard one to sell. Yeah. So for Vittoria, it's probably better if you if he has a couple of couple of uh, extra fights before getting back into title contention. Yeah, absolutely. Look I like at that performance anyway. Absolutely. When you see the first round as well, obviously it started off with that big dick kick from Holland almost immediately after about two seconds. But Holland, I thought I thought Holland won the first round. I know the judges didn't give it to him, but it was definitely a, a close round. He was landing more on the outside. Vittori got the takedown and didn't really do much with it, I thought. But, like, I thought Vittori was taking too many shots in that first round. And the right way to go was with the takedowns after that. Um, got an early takedown in the second. The whole round of ground and pound. The eye was closing at the end of that round. Uh, so, it was. It was uh, I gave a 10-8 in the second round. 
But when the third round came, he had lots of control against the cage. He got some takedowns. But Vittori was kind of refusing to strike. And, okay, when you lose the first round, or, or when it's close first round, you're kind of getting beaten on the feet in in uh, in certain, uh, uh, you know, at certain times of the round. Fair enough, take it down and be a, a little bit, um, uh, you know, a little bit weary of striking on the feet again. But when a guy's eye, when a guy's yeah, be cautious, eye closes, but, yeah. yeah. When when he when he's eye one stage or a couple of stages a couple of stages he had him kind of stunned yeah. and shot for the legs against the cage where you know a couple of, a flurry there might have might have been the end um so yeah he definitely he definitely was ultra cautious which obviously uh, isn't that exciting to watch no, and no, isn't gonna propel you into into people's hearts and minds and make them campaign for you or support you in a in a, a big fight next or a title fight next yeah and it actually made it worse is that such a at the end of such a boring week of mma like we had the one fc cards which were maybe not boring but i think a lot of people when they saw demetrius losing and not a lot of people like marais as well and like the underdog but they saw demetrius losing they were like ah oh, no and then they saw the eddie alvarez disqualification they were like man the better card did you get in a while was horrific and this card, apart from a few nice submissions, was was you know not great as well. But it was it kind of ended that out. But um, yeah, it was it wasn't a great win. Look for Vittori's there or thereabouts. If you could get another fight, um, I think it'd be the best best way for him forward. I would make uh, Adesanya versus Whitaker too way before I'd make Vittori versus Adesanya too. So I think get that going and and get Adesanya another fight or get a uh, Vittori another fight and, and see where he goes from there. But however, um. Arlen Allen and, and Sadiq Yusuf, I think, was uh, a very, very good fight for, for two rounds. And then Arlen, Arlen Allen kind of got a bit tired in the third round just because he put on such a great pace. But it was, I thought it was a fantastic performance from Allen, especially early. Like, he's such a confident guy in, in all aspects of his game early in this fight. It was actually unbelievable. And I've talked up Arlen Allen a lot over the last few years. I think he's really, really good. Doesn't get the fights he deserves. But he went a, a level above that, I think, in the first couple of rounds here. And if you can keep that going, you know, over three rounds and over five rounds, this guy is right up there in title contention. Because Sadiq Yusuf is a very, very good fighter. And uh, I yeah. thought it was a good performance. What do you think? I do think, though, as you said, a couple of five-round fights, I think that would be very beneficial to Alan. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, he got a bit tired, but he knows it's a three-round fight. But he maybe he wouldn't, you know, set such a high pace. He probably wouldn't, you know. Uh, but maybe he needs a, a fight or two uh, before he goes to the very top level over five rounds just to acclimatize to that because it, it is, you know, what is it, like 40% more or whatever, close yeah. to 40% more. Uh, time in the cage that you potentially um, have to manage your, your cardio and everything for so I think that would be beneficial you know um, it's kind of a pity uh, after how the main event turned out that this wasn't a five round fight Yeah, you know this would have been a much interesting more interesting five rounder than the, the main event turned out to be but maybe you know an impressive win here against a really tough guy like uh close close enough fight you know uh, uh didn't have it all his own way so it, you know uh it's definitely a big win and a, a good learning experience for for alan but i do think you know i wouldn't be pushing him into into a title fight or a number one contender fight yet i'd like to see him do a couple of couple of five round fights not just because he got tired in this third round just because you know it's 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 definitely beneficial to a, a young fighter who's never fought five rounds before before they get into a title fight to, to have that experience under the belt yeah i think you, yeah absolutely we talk about that often in this podcast you have to adjust it I, i'd love to see him fight someone like a dan egan i know you guys fighting the korean zombie but 
I think that fight would make a lot of sense. Maybe him versus a Josh Emmett or a Calvin Cater. or one of those guys above him in the rankings that might push him in towards the top five, top six. And then you're talking about the, you know, the Ortegas, the Holloways, the the top. Yeah, if he could get a five round fight against a Cater, maybe that I think that'd be a good fight. But uh, it's time. It's definitely time for Arnold Allen. It's definitely time to to move him on and um, a fantastic performance uh, from him from him here. Um, the two submissions I talked about then happened after that. Julian Marquez against Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey, for the first time in a while, was actually landing a few shots here against Julian Marquez. But Julian was landing his own He wasn't just two. waiting to counter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. Julian... He, he got knocked out and choked out in this fight. He much. did, yeah. He did. But I think Julian was like giving him the opportunity. Like, Julian Marquez is a fun guy. He's a fun fighter. And uh, it's, it's always good to see him. I think he's won his last three wins in a row. Are all by submission, but kind of after knockdown. So that's always fun. You can kind of get a bit of bought in there, and uh, as everyone knows, I love a bit of a submission. Um, <clears throat> and then we had McKinsey Darren getting um, an an armbar, an armbar from McKinsey Darren. Uh, like we talked about it last week, I think I I spoke to a few people about it. Seven to two, McKinsey Darren wants to get the submission here. Look, Nina Ansarov or Nina Nunes. Sorry, I'm looking at Wikipedia here. Um, she is a very very good fighter and i would if it was two years ago and mckenzie darn is what she is now i would have picked um nina nunes to win this fight but she is just after coming off of having a baby which we saw with mckenzie darn as well is absolutely saw, no yeah, easy exactly. task yeah it, you had to darn was always the pick here and i think um nina didn't look great physically and I think that obviously is, is a thing that will come back over the next year or so. And Dern was able to kind of just get inside us a little bit quicker. Once it gets to the ground, there's no stopping. I know it was only 12 seconds left in the end, but it was almost inevitable when she kind of got in that spiderweb position and was going for the for the armbar. But Dern looked good, didn't she? She was, she was. Do, do you know what impressed me most about Dern? She kind of wasn't afraid to get hit going inside to try to get the, the clinch and try to get a takedown. That to me was the most impressive uh, part from, from Dern, but good performance from her, wasn't it? Yeah, like I, I, I thought Nunes um, uh, before the fight might like it was going to be a close decision, and she, uh, I thought she might be able to, you know, get a close decision, able to fend off some of the takedowns. I thought Dern didn't look good at all in her last fight, and obviously, mm-hmm. coming off having a baby is is a big thing, and maybe that one extra fight looked to have done wonders, and maybe the same will, will happen with Nunes in her next fight. But uh, or answer, it's so strange calling her Nunes. Yeah, for me. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, yeah, I think maybe like you know, it'd be interesting to see how. Um, Nina looks in her next fight because you know obviously having a baby and all that stuff is definitely uh, is definitely not easy to to just bounce back in there and look exactly the same as you did before. So um, obviously I think Dern, um, you know, obviously she's she's really good on the ground and she seems to be in much better shape than she she was in her first few MMA fights. So uh, it, it's kind of all coming together for her. But I still think you know I wouldn't be pushing her either too quickly towards a, a title shot. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think let her develop for a while is is a thing to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would totally agree with that. But a, a good performance uh, nonetheless. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez gave a good performance as well. I think he is a, he's a very very good fighter. But for Mike Perry, surely this is the end of his his UFC run after yeah. all his his issues. He looked absolutely atrocious. Just just so so bad. He's lost four of his last five now. Beating only Mickey Gall in the middle of that, you know. I I know the UFC like him for some reason, but God Almighty, he just looked he looked like a punching bag in here, just so so bad. Um, took a lot of damage. The thing about my Perry is as well, 
he's taken so much damage in these fights that it's not going to get any better for him. And, you know, you know, chins don't improve by fucking testing him. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it was a tough one. But, look, Daniel Rodriguez looks a very good uh, fighter in that welterweight division where there's lots of very good fighters. He's only lost uh, to Nicholas Dalby in the last fucking, since he's, what is his first MMA fight ever? No, one of, one of his first four or five MMA fights ever. So he's, uh, you know, beating Tim Means, beating Dwight Grant as well, and now Mike Perry. So he's uh, he's right up there, thereabouts to be towards the rankings, I think, with a 14 and 2 record. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was one of those fights where Rodriguez moves up, and I think Mike Perry may be, uh, may be moving on after this. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those. Um, in the undercard, then, there was some standouts. Nice to see uh, Impact Kasangana on the opening fight uh, come back after, obviously, the, the been on the wrong end of the greatest knockout of all time uh, in his last fight so for him to come back and get the win over Sasha uh, Palatnikov by rear naked choke in the second was very very good uh, Daung Jun and Luis Saldana got uh, decision wins as well a lot of people crying about the Saldana win very 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 solid judge and I thought in that one I thought he won the first round he, he won like three minutes of the first round on the feast and there was a takedown which Griffin did almost nothing with. Daniel Cormier literally said, this is a position I used to use in wrestling to stall, to get my win back. And he was in that position for maybe 90 seconds, and then Cormier scored around for him. Like, it, oh, oh my, I, I, I can't I think he tried to backtrack in the third round, was it? In the third round towards the end, he was like, well, you know, maybe, you know, he, he it's easy to forget the first couple of minutes, so yeah. maybe he'd read a bit of, he'd had some <laughs> tweets coming his way. I don't know, but uh, Dominic Cruz was, uh, that was funny, John Anik true to Dominic Cruz to try to get him to go on a rant about judging and Cruz just no soul that just refused to do it. Uh, I don't know, it's... Like I, I didn't think DC was as bad without Rogan there, but he's still pretty bad. Like Dominic Cruz, there was one fight. What fight was it? It was, a, but there was someone getting like beautiful. I, I think it was Selecki against Miller, which was not a, a great fight, but he had beautiful uh, top control at one stage, and um, that. Daniel Cormier was like telling a joke in the middle of it and Cruz just interrupted him and cut like a beautiful promo for about, you know, 40 or 45 seconds about why the position was the way it is and why uh, he couldn't get up from on top of him. And I was like, Jesus, this is what we need. This is the kind of type of commentary we need. It was entertaining. It was, you know, informational. It was it was absolutely brilliant. And then Cormier just kind of laughing and sniggering in the background. Oh, he's the worst. He's so bad. But anyway, I'm not getting into another thing about him. Anyway, um, we learned. That we, what, can you remember what he said? One of his favorite words was. Oh, I can't remember. It was some oh, like some bisbing says, and he and he yeah. shied it on for like a minute about it being his favorite word. Feathered or something. Or one was of his it? favorite words. <laughs> it was like feathered oh, or something or fe- oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, who cares? Um, I can't even remember. Oh. Jack Shore as well put on a a fantastic display against Hunter Azure. Um, Split decision. I don't know, but I thought Jack Shore won. It was. It was. I scored a thirty twenty seven, but it was a definitely closer fight than that. Azure is. You could tell Azure is one of these guys who's not used to losing. You know, he just refused to lose in lots of positions, but Shore was just winning all of those positions at the same time. You know, it was. uh, It was a fantastic performance. He's just so good everywhere, and I think like. Jack Shore's wrestling and his kind of chain wrestling and his ground game is so good. When he puts an extra bit of striking in, now his striking is good, but I think when he his striking um, technique 
continues to improve and he gets a bit more power behind it as well, I think he is going to be an awful issue for people in this bantamweight division because he is very, very, very good. Uh, and were you, I, I assume you're uh, very impressed as well by by Jack Shore here. Were you? It's, it's hard not to be impressed by Jack Shore, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, it's definitely a good performance and a good win, but, like, you know, he'll face a lot better competition as he comes up, and we'll, uh, we'll have to see, like, it's, you know, uh, I wouldn't be getting too carried away too quickly or anything, like, I think he definitely, he definitely clearly won that, like, it, it, as you said, it was some, all the rounds were, were close, but uh, he was able to do enough to, uh, in nearly all positions to, to edge it out, like, but... Uh, you know, uh, I think like you know, he needs he needs a, a handful of fights in the UFC to to develop. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I'm, you know, it's absolutely. easy for it's easy for these guys. Like in you know, when there's not that many of your you know, no, not that many uh, English guys in there or whatever. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of like be oh, this is the next guy and jump on them early. We or Welsh guys, sorry, uh, it's oh, easy to be killed. to jump on jump on them. Yeah, it's easy to jump on them. You know, we've done it with Irish guys. Like yeah. it, we've seen, like uh, you know, Tom Breeze, other guy in England and Scotland. We've seen it, like you know, Stevie Ray and stuff. And if you get pushed too quickly, you end up, you end, you end up like kind of derailed. So, you know, he's he's undefeated. You know, fourteen and know It'd be easy to say, oh, we need to see him in there against you know, some top some top uh, name, maybe like a really experienced guy. But I, I think, you know, slow to roll is, is the way to go here. You could, if you can build him up to 20 an hour, 18 an hour, and uh, with like nice development fights, I think I think that, that would be the, the, the path to take with him. Yeah, I agree. I, I love you know, a few development fights. Undefeated, it's, always, it's always a push, push, push yeah. to try and get them into the thing. But I think, you know, we've seen how detrimental that can be. Like guys can lose and, and bounce back even better. We've talked about that a lot as well. But... Uh, there's no need to rush him into anything, I don't think. That's true. The old dog is telling you to, to pull him back to is is 100 right. Uh, Charistana and Jorgen de Castro uh, was the one fight in this fight that I pre- predicted incorrectly on the Fight Picks app uh, this week. I got I got 11 out of 11 last week of Bellator. Uh, I got 11 out of 12. And I still beat you on points uh, as well. Yeah, still you did, you fucker. Points, we, even though you got we've been doing well. In fairness, the two of us, I got 12 out of 13 here. We've been doing fantastic. If so, I hadn't um, missed that week, I, I'd be I'd be running away with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll have to use that for the rest of the season. It's a typical Liverpool fan, isn't it? Oh, if one player hadn't got injured nine months ago, we would have won the league. Yeah, typical Liverpool fan. But yeah, while we're at it, actually, uh, jump on over there to your uh, your Play Store, your iOS Store, uh, and download the Fightpix app. You'll see the, the blue and white uh, logo. Um, download it, sign up, and then go to um, Join League and just search for Severe May. You'll see us there. We've, I think we still have the biggest league on the platform. We've like 207 people in it now, so it's absolutely huge. I'm right up there near the top of the league. Hold on, I'll just check the league. But we've, I've had some, I, I must, I must say, now I've had some fantastic weeks. Kalen is walking away with it. I'm in fourth here, so I'm doing really, really well. Uh, joint fourth with Corey and a few more as well. Our boy Holtberg is up right near the top. Um, you know, Eno is up there as well. Graham, I'm, I'm going down through it here. I can't see you. Philly is in number 33. Oh, you're number. 36 uh you're not too far away 
So, uh, yeah, Chondini's in 41. Harry Kearns down in 47. Ian Gary's biggest fan. Uh, Team Torres, Andrew McGahan, 51. So, there's a lot of people in there. Ken Allen, top top 62 there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great fun. Uh, and if you want to sign up, fightpicks.com as well. You can create your own leagues. You can uh, join other people's leagues. There's other leagues as well as, uh, as, as, well as ours. But join the Severe MMA League, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Fightpicks.com. Check it out. Um... Yeah, and so I, I had McDessie as well in, in this one. I, I wasn't sure because uh, Bahamondes uh, is so much bigger than him, but McDessie fought a, the perfect kind of small man fight in this one, didn't he? I, th- I think if, you know, obviously if some butts and all that stuff, when he got McDessie landed that big punch, but I think that big punch really affected the, the fight. I think, yeah. you know, I don't think McDessie is, is the best fighter. Like, he's a, he's a good season striker, but I don't think, mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, Bahamondes, uh, you know, he just needs time. I think he 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 definitely will be a better fighter than McDessie, but mm. you know, uh, he he definitely has a a good body type for you know he's long. He just needs to learn. He just needs time to learn how to use his his kind of body and his his length yeah. to his advantage more and maybe sharpen up his strikes a little bit. Like, I know that they started to come slow, but maybe that was because of the, 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 the big punches he took. And he did do a lot of damage to... He did land a lot of shots to cosmetic damage to, to Masvidal's face. But, you know, I think uh, Masvidal, Masvidal was, was, was always comfortable. Or not Masvidal. McDessie. <laughs> was always... Uh, McDessie was always comfortable. <laughs> the two of us were uh, fucking very after bad. After he landed week. that that knockdown. Yeah, do you know what? I, yeah, I, sorry, I, I was um, I was talking to someone about it last night. It's a uh, I I would tend to agree with everything you said there, especially about like McDessie's not the best fighter in the world, and I think Bahamondes will be better as well. But when you're making, I think it's his UFC debut, one of his first UFC fights anyway. Not that experienced. I know he's had like seventeen or eighteen fights. I think um, uh, after looking last night off the top of my head, but to fight. A guy like John McDessie, who has made his whole career out of being the smaller guy, basically, is a very, very tough thing to come into the UFC and fight. And I would tend to agree with you, but this is a great learning fight for him. I know he got a lot of damage and everything like that, so maybe there's better ways to learn. But um, yeah, good look, good stuff by McDessie, but a very, very good learning fight. It was a, it was a, a you know? crazy crazy scorecard in there one of the judges gave the the fight to Bahamondes I don't know what the fuck that was about yeah there was two the one and two I think were were pretty dominant for McDessie but who knows we'll probably get, we'll get <laughs> yeah, given out to, we'll get given out we, the, there was a couple of odd judging scorecards in, in the last night but I think most of them and all, all of the right people won the fights anyway so we can't uh, we can't give out too much um, yeah. and the last fight from that and fight Gamera we had yeah. Gamera mm, brilliant he like he like, looked like yeah. title contender in this fight. <laughs> you know, not to go too mad about it, but like that last fight just wasn't Gamrat, wasn't. This was the real Matthias Gamrat. He was brilliant, I thought. Yeah, like you know, uh, coming off a not very interesting, you know, highlight worthy event. I think he's probably you know the the one that got the most traction on even on social media. Anyway, after it, I saw a lot of people tweeting about it, a lot of people retweeting the the various clips of the mm-hmm. finish and stuff, and you know we. We talk about the 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 Polish community, uh, MMA community, like they're they're big MMA fans. Massive, you know, they'll yeah. get behind their guy, and 
yeah, I think um, if Gamrock can go out and replicate performances like that, he he can be a big star for the UFC in Europe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And you, you know, you've seen it with uh, with Joanna, and you see it with Jan Blahovich now as well. And you kind of see both of them tweeting about him as well. So yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Gamrock was. I, I'm sure we'll have Sean Dinny on again to talk about it on, on the Chasing Pack, but. He was one of the biggest stars in KSW and one of the biggest stars in Poland as well. They absolutely loved him, even I'd say bigger than than, than Jan and, and Joanna. But obviously Joanna and, and and now Jan became huge, I suppose, through the UFC more. So even though Jan was big in in KSW as well, but Gamera was a big big star there. So if he could go from being the big star in KSW to being the big star in uh, in the UFC, it'll be absolutely huge. You know, we we saw Gamera fighting in uh, in KSW in Dublin and the, the fans absolutely loved him. So. So, um, you know, it says a lot for Norman Park, too. He was in a lot of close fights with Gamrat. So, he, uh, Norman Park is still, uh, he should still be in the UFC. And I, I think a lot of people agree with that. But, uh, you know, he's doing other things at the moment. But, uh, however, um, next week's card, then, before we get to, to Bellator, we'll just quickly run through uh, this one here. There's some very, very good fights in it. Uh, on the undercard, you have Tony Gravely against uh, Antonio Burchak. Uh, Jessica Pinay is coming back here. Uh, Alexander Romanov is on the card. Gerald Mirshar coming back after his loss against uh, the, the Boy Wonder is on this card as well. Uh, Ricardo Lamas or Ricardo Ramos even against Bilalgio. Luis Pena is on the card. Uh, uh, Razak Al Hassan. What do you think about that Drakkar Drakkar closer to Jeremy Stevens fight? I think that's a fantastic fight. Who do you think will win that? I, it's a tough one to call, I think. I think Tracker Close. I'm just Me looking too. at the odds, though, and he's the underdog. Like, is he? <sighs> I think Tracker Close is. Yeah. Could you see him kicking the legs off like, of you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens? Stevens like, yeah, and Jeremy Stevens, you know, he's 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 from the old school. You know, I think the game's kind of developed beyond him. And I think, I think you know, uh, he low, like he, do, he does load up on shots and he, and he is dangerous. He does have power, but... Hardest sitting on 45. Everybody knows that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but everybody knows that, you know. And if, if you come in with a good game plan against Jeremy Stevens and you're a well-rounded fighter, I think, I think it's your fight to lose. Yeah, I, th- I think whatever that fight will be, I think it'll be a fun stand-up fight for for most of us. I'm I'm really looking forward. To it. I think that's good. Uh, come in, I mean, I see it's Andrzejlowski Chase Sherman here. I think that fight has changed like in the last day or something. But that's a pretty good fight. I like Chase. I think he's. Kind of, he was a goofy kind of guy before, but he's kind of settled down a little bit, and he's he's uh, won his last few fights, or, or some of his last few fights anyway. So he's looking good. If he could beat Arlovsky, that'd be a huge move for Shea Sherman. So be really good. And then in the main event, we have a uh, Robert yeah, Whitaker. Probably versus... have to have, probably have to favor Arlovsky though. There really like would you? Yeah, I probably you know. would as well. Actually, you know, over decision. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting. Um, what do you think of of Whitaker Gaslam? Like this is, I think this is the old kind of adage of, oh, it depends what Gaslam turns up. You know, if the very very best Gaslam turns up, he absolutely has a chance. But how often does the best Gaslam absolutely, absolutely, uh, you know, turn up? Uh, I I would have to pick Robert Whitaker here. I just think, I just think there's too much. There's Robert Whitaker just does too much. I think. I think he's wrestling is too good. I don't think uh, Gaslam will be able to take him down. I think he's he obviously he's known as a striker and he's the amount of strikes he throws. I think will be just too much for Gaslam. I don't think Gaslam will be able to knock him out. Now he might. Uh, he's he's good power and stuff as well. But I think if he doesn't knock him out or if he doesn't hurt him badly a couple of times throughout the fight, I think Robert Whitaker will end up outpointing him. I think it'll be a good fight, though. I think it'll be a fun fight. Gaslam is you know, a good technical yeah. fighter, but I think Whitaker's just a little bit better. Yeah, I, I like Gaslam, uh, but, you know, it's been about three years since we've last seen him kind of go out there and perform. 
he looked like he's really put it all together. You know, he looked like he had the striking crisp, and uh, obviously we all, we all know his jiu-jitsu was good. Uh, it's always kind of been good. Uh, back in the Ultimate Fighter days, he kind of used that to to, to win the whole show. Um, I think I think Whitaker obviously maybe isn't exactly like at the top of his game like he used to be, but I think Gaslam's fallen more, and I think I think. Um, yeah, I think this should be a handy enough one for Whitaker. To be honest, I think he might put him away yeah. in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, I would. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think it'd probably be decisioning, but I wouldn't be surprised if depending on what Gaslam turns up. But yeah, fun fight anyway, and a fun main event. Obviously, we'll yeah. If we see Gaslam on the scale, looking in, looking yeah. in top shape, then maybe you know we, we, that would change it. But it's been so long since we've seen that that I, I'm not expecting that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, right, let's talk a little bit about Bellator. Bellator two five six went down. Uh, this Friday night uh, on the undercard, the, one, the standout one was uh, Diana Avsaragova, who got an all-merciful knockout over Tara Gaff. Just deaded her all together, put her to absolute sleep, and she looks very, very, very good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing her next. Um, uh, up upwards throat the card in Dan Marit, uh, Goiti Yamaguchi, close fight. I had uh, I thought Yamaguchi won. But not not a huge robbery, I don't think in in this one either. Uh, tough loss for for Yamaguchi. Got in a few good positions, but wasn't able to to finish it. Uh, Katzengana came in here and got a win over Olivia Parker. The the biggest thing that bothered me about this was they kept talking about how Olivia Parker went into a gym to learn how to box her size and to get fit and stuff, and now she's fighting Katzengana six fights into her career. I'm like, so you're putting Katzengano in a place where she's going to be fighting Cyborg next and you're putting her in against a boxer size person who went there to get fit fucking two well, years ago. they have ago. their new rankings and they're like she's a third third in the world or whatever in It's ridiculous. It, it, oh and my then, god. Yeah, this, this, this <laughs> woman off the street. <laughs> I could not believe it. Like, I, I actually uh, couldn't believe it. It's why, Even if that's true, why would you say that on the broadcast? It's like you, it, it not only makes... The Maybe mention it once, but don't yeah. just like oh. harp on it. Like yeah, yeah, but it makes it makes promotion look bad. It makes Cats and Gano's win look fucking terrible. Like if you're a fighter, you talk up your opponent, or if you're you're a promotion, you talk up the opponent, make it look like oh she's this up and comer, she's four and one, she's the next big thing. Cats and Gano goes in there and beats her. It's like come on, we don't need to, you know, we don't need, we don't need this. Like in in MMA at the top level, you're talking about this. It was really bad. Also, it was an ar- an armbar, an ar- armbar, which made sense in this level of opponent but yeah look i, I look and i i'm I, this is kind of being a bit hypocritical because i'm an advocate for kind of telling the truth and stuff but like they don't usually tell the truth <laughs> and this is a this is the place where you don't tell the truth this is the place where you fucking deny it and you try to build up cats and Ghana, but however that uh that didn't happen but can look good you know she and this was a perfect I, I actually have nothing wrong with the matchmaking I think the matchmaking was grand because I think you needed to get Kat a win like this, and uh, she did a she did a good job going in there and getting it. So fair play to her. Uh, Adam Barrocks, uh, he looked good. I thought against uh, against Jeremy Kennedy and not a great fight either, but he got the win. Same could be said for Liz Carmouche against uh, Vanessa Porto, and that was kind of a a one you kind of fall asleep during. And then uh, Ryan Bader against uh, Leona Machida. I thought Leona looked fantastic for a round. His kicks to the body almost knocked Bader out with a head kick as well. Looked really good, but his hands looked slow. You know, he looked like a 42-year-old. Uh, and then Bader just, just started to get the better of him, started to get takedowns. He took and, over. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely took over and, and, and won the fight. But, um, 
Yeah, well, Leona looked old, didn't he? Yeah, Machida just looked old, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he did. Um, you know, when you're that kind of guy, one shot guy, using the speed to kind of counter, when you lose that speed, it, it definitely puts you in. It's, it's harder to overcome than maybe, um, than maybe a different other, other striking styles might be. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, obviously Bader's a better fighter than he was when they fought the first time and a better fighter than I think he was when he was in the UFC. So it's definitely no, like, you know, he's not, not like, oh, you need to retire right now. You're not able to compete at any level. But I think maybe, you know, his his, his championship days are over and, uh, you know, they, they could put him in nice fights if they wanted to and use him as a showcase or eventually kind of build people off him. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit sad to see. Yeah, it was, towards the end of that, it was definitely sad to see. Once think... you lose that speed, you know you're yeah. you're not getting it back. <laughs> yeah, it could have been uh, it could have been stopped at, at a couple of stages as well. I think maybe by the corner more than so than the referee. But yeah, it was it was definitely sad to see uh, see near the end. Um, Beltorov also have a pretty good card coming up next week. But one FC have another card on Wednesday. They're going to have cards on for the next. Uh, for the next while, the standout one and that is uh, Christian Lee against Timothy Natsukin. Um That's a, a pretty good fight, but they also have uh, a couple of other ones as well. So if you're tuning in to see that on Wednesday, I believe it'll be on uh, on YouTube and this part of the world. You're not excited for Mr. Wonderful? Mr. Wonderful, <laughs> Phil, Phil Davis. Davis. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I have this card open here. There's, I, I'm more excited for Corey. <laughs> 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 what are you laughing at? Do you do Nimkov is I don't know. Phil Davis. Yeah. yeah, Phil Davis fights like yeah. <laughs> The main event, like a rematch, think... Nemkov versus Davis too. Like, oh my god. I think that says it all. Phil Davis fights. Nah. <laughs> He is, he's just, oh my god, he's Mr. Wonderful, like, for one of the most boring fighters in the history of MMA. Remember that time Phil Davis was injured, and he was out for, like, two years, and then everyone was like, oh, he's gonna be the next big thing coming back, and yeah. was it Rashad Evans destroyed him, and he's like, oh, wait, no, and then he had, like, 48 boring fights after. Yeah, no. Didn't, he, didn't Machida, like, destroy him, like, pick him apart, and then end up losing the decision somehow as well? Yeah, um, but uh, the funniest part was when people used to think he was John Jones, and he just played along with it and just pretended <laughs> yeah. he was John Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Be John Jones. Outs- he should have kept that gimmick up. <laughs> he should have, yeah. Outside of the cage, he's pretty funny in fairness. He's like the German Conor McGregor, that lad. He got absolutely destroyed there recently. But, uh, look, these things happen in MMA. But, yeah, I, I, look, I think Nimkov is a very, very good fighter, and I think he'll probably end up uh, winning that. But... Um, Corey Anderson versus uh, Yag Shimuradov is a very good fight in the undercard as well, and that's in the uh, the Bellator two hundred five pound tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So um, this tournament is moving along here, and it's uh, it's pretty good. There's some good fights in that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Yashi won that one uh, over uh, over Beast in twenty five eight. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's some good fights there. Paul Daly's back as well against Sabo Massey. It was a 10-year anniversary of Daly versus Diaz this week. So an absolute classic fight that was. So it's kind of a good time for Paul Daly to be coming back. Uh, I don't think Bellator uh, did that on purpose. But however, uh, Lance Gibson Jr. is on this card as well at 3-0. Uh, the Marquez Jackson on the card. Cal Elbrickson, who's been around here fighting Victor Nimkov. Uh, Julia Budd is back in the card. Pedro Carvalho, Ireland's own against JJ Wilson. And uh, Mads Burnell against Saul Rogers is the standout on this card. Aiden Lee versus Aaron Pico was supposed to be on this, but it's uh, Aaron Pico got injured, I believe, or fizzled out or something. It says here in Topology. Uh, but especially Pedro Carvalho, good to see Pedro back, isn't it, after losing to uh, losing to Pitbull in his, uh, in his last fight? 
Yeah, you know, obviously <laughs> going in there against Pitbull is a. Uh, is one of the toughest toughest tasks in Bellator, uh, but you know he's he's still a young guy, he's still developing. Um, you know, maybe he got the title shot a bit too early, like it kind of it looks that way. But uh, you know, he, he he could take loads of things to, to work on and learn from in that fight and build his way back up again. Like I think he's definitely got a lot of potential. He's shown before. He's tough, tough nosed, well rounded, and uh, always improving. So. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it didn't didn't work out for him in the in, in the title fight, but you know, uh, I wouldn't like a lot of people. Maybe it was their first exposure to to uh, to him, and it didn't like you know he didn't get to show much, but he definitely he definitely is a very good prospect and has a has a, um, a history of improving a lot in between fights. So I'm expecting him to to hopefully look a lot better here, learn from that last fight, and obviously. Uh, keep building his way back up yeah uh only one more thing to to do graham who do you think will win jake paul or ben Askren? Oh, see i don't really know when is that was that this weekend or next weekend yeah it? yeah when is that 17 oh really yeah i don't know anything i don't know anything i don't really know anything about i need to like watch those boxing bouts um i saw that that knockout uh punch of the the basketball guy yeah well you know basketball's a no contact sport um so is wrestling though I don't know. No contact. You get slammed on your head and shit. Ah, that. Roman Reigns. We'll have King Mo wrestle you and fucking have a fucking oh, bruised tailbone you're, for you're, two months and see <laughs> see how you fucking feel. Oh, that's that's experience talking there. That is. I, yeah. uh, I just coaches even worse. Kept tripping me, just tripping me, tripping me. I was like, oh my god. No need for it. I, I don't want to analyze but, this fight um, to be honest. I don't care about it. I, I like, think J. Paul will win. Is is like. Like I don't know, these guys that he's been boxing, like, what kind of level have they been at? Have you watched the, these boxing bouts that Jake Jake Paul has had? Yeah, he's he's only boxed like a basketball player and a YouTuber, so but he looks good. He looks like he can draw a bunch. He looks re- like Ben Askren doesn't look like he can draw a bunch, but he's been in fights. But like, if you can push him up against the cage and make a, a dirty get the fucking him. clinch and start fucking yeah. yeah. Yeah, just grab a hold of his neck and start pummeling him, <laughs> dirty boxing sure. him up. Body like, has Jake Paul taken yeah. punches before and recovered? Has uh, Jake Paul taken any punches? So. No, I don't know. So that's always uh, like yeah, Ben Askren's taking a lot of punches. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't know. Like a Ben Askren boxing with boxing gloves, yeah. or like a, I'm it's not gonna that's so going to look very good. <laughs> um, it kind of depends on what the. It, I think this is going to depend a lot on, like, with my t- tiny, tiny bit of knowledge I have on the situation is um, if the ref's going to allow Askren yeah. to kind of grab a hold of him, dirty box him. If he's going to allow that, then he should beat him easily. But uh, if the ref's going to be super strict, like, you know, uh, the second they engage in any way that isn't distance punching, he's going to break it up, then I don't. don't think Ben Asher is going to offer much in terms of distance striking I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen I think the referee is not going to let him clinch up and that's going to fuck Ben Askren over to be honest and uh, I, I'll see uh, I don't know I think Jake Paul knock him out in the first couple of rounds but however who knows well not maybe not knock him out but like uh, referee stoppage standing but uh, yeah I, look I'm just glad that it's a retired MMA fighter who hasn't been around for a while, who's not really relevant to the MMA picture, and we don't really have to care about it that much. You know, we spent a minute and, he and a half here talking. Did he have that hip replacement? <laughs> he did, yeah, he did have it. Yeah, yeah. that's no so, joke yeah. either. 
<laughs> well, fair play to Ben Askren. He's got the money <laughs> out of him. literally had a hip replacement. Yeah, yeah some idiot. So, yeah, look, fair play to him. Um, all right, that's it. We have this quick Trent Alexander. So, if anyone doesn't like soccer, you can tune out right now. Yeah. Um, Say your piece. So, <laughs> look, my piece is Trent Alexander is obviously a very good attacking footballer from a defensive point of view, but. And, and he was fantastic for Liverpool when they were dominant and were destroying everyone. But when you're not dominant and not destroying everyone, and when he has to defend more than attack, he is going to get found out because he's... Okay, you'll probably say he isn't as bad as people make out, but he is. I think this week has showed he's a terrible defender. He's just terrible positioning, doesn't know the right place to be. You know, he's not that brave in defending, can't really tackle, just doesn't have anything defensively. Maybe if you move in position, we talked about that before, but they're not at the moment. Um, and if you're like a, an England boss... Well, if, if you look at... Go on. Go on. If you look at it, like, it depends on what you're... If you're going to play... If Southgate's going to play a right-back, a normal, traditional English right-back, mm-hmm. then that's not Trent. Trent's yeah, never been sure, a right-back sure. uh, throughout his youth career. He's never been that. He's, he's like, basically a winger that does his best to cover uh, defence when, when he can mm-hmm. in the Liverpool system. Yeah, like, he's, sure. he's basically licenses to, like, you know, create goals and play up the pitch play positive balls forward like you know take take chances mm-hmm. with with passes to to make shit happen to to cut open defenses with crosses or with you know nice balls to Salah or into the center so if you're going to say okay and you're going to play a back forward or a traditional right back then you're probably better off playing a you know uh i know wambasak has never been in the squad but uh, but i think if you're going to play a traditional yeah. old school like been and gone like last era old school fucking defender than Wambasaka or or like somebody like that is is a better option but if you're gonna play if you, yeah yeah Kyle, well, Kyle Walker if you're if, if you're gonna play Trent as a right wing back you want to play Kyle Walker as the right center back of a three because then like you know Trent can, can do what he does at Liverpool and come back uh, with, with a bit more security uh, to roam forward than he does at Liverpool, and mm-hmm. I think he could be like in international football. The standard isn't that isn't that high. You have a much more time on the ball. Trent would have much more time to pick his passes from that side. He's obviously a really good set piece taker as well. Uh, I think you know to not have him in the squad would be would be terrible, a terrible decision by Gareth Southgate. Um, just the amount of positions he can play as well. He like you know he's been a centre mid for most of his yeah, nearly all his career, bar the last few years. Yeah, I know, but you know he's a well-rounded player. You know what I mean? He can he can play on the right wing. He can, he's 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 had a few minutes, like a couple of games um, for Liverpool up right forward. You know he can he can make shit happen. Like you know he's a he's a he, obviously he's he's had some huge influence on goals like that Barcelona quick thinking on the corner. He's an intelligent player. You know he can make shit happen that other players don't make happen. I, and I you think, need that uh, in it in an England team. I think that aren't like if England were the best team in the world and they didn't need to take any chances, then you can just play like your standard right back. And but when you're you're not that good of a team and you have you have to beat better teams you're going to need somebody like Trent mm. to, to you know not pass it sideways I, I, to make I, shit happen to, I would think the opposite to, I, I think Trent to be a great player for them against the, the, the bad teams where they're attacking all the time but against teams where they have to defend I wouldn't play them like, and the issue with that is it's not as so much Trent Trent is what he is but when he has fucking Harry Maguire and Tyrone Mings as these two centre-backs as we see with Liverpool this year he struggles badly that's going to be the issue if, if, if they had a great if you're going to play Trent 
if you're going to play Trent for England, you're going to have to pay three at the back because Gareth Southgate yeah. obviously isn't comfortable with. Yeah, so I wouldn't do with that. Trent as a as a normal right back. I think the thing that looked at so you'd play Walker on that side. Yeah, I I wouldn't do, I wouldn't I think England have too much attacking quality to play a five at the back, and I think with England you have to. You have to make... Look, Kyle Walker is going to start. I think he's their best right back. Uh, well-rounded. He's a very good attacker. Very good defensively now. He wasn't so much in the past. But, like... It, and So, he's the best option. After that, the option... I would nearly pick Trent just because... I, I think I think we're probably just I think we're probably we're probably gonna we're agreeing that like he has to be in the squad like that it would be a well, disastrous. The, it depends what you want, choice right? Not to put him in the squad. It depends what you want. If you not want... to start him, just depends on the system and what you're trying to play. And it's like if you don't want to start him, that's completely understandable because he is he isn't a you know he doesn't just slot into any system. He he needs to be in to get the best out of him from that side. It needs to be a certain system. Like but you I, know, I, you need to. I I could let him be free to. Yeah. to go forward I think you could say the same thing like if you want to play like so England England's biggest problem is fitting all their talent in so they have like up front they have Harry Kane who's one of the best strikers in the world they have Raheem Sterling one of the best wingers in the world Phil Foden to me one of the best young players in the world they have Grealish is playing really well recently although he's been injured they have Rashford Greenwood Calvert-Lewin all this well, really good talent Sterling's but hold on one second just let me just, just, hold on, just let me make this performing. point just let me make this point yeah. If you want to get all of those in and you don't want to play, say, like two defensive midfielders or even three, as they've done sometimes, I think the best thing you can do is play one person holding, whether that be Rice or Henderson, whoever you want to be, and then play a def- more defensive uh, defense. So I'd play, like, okay, it's a Man United thing, but the, I think we'd all agree the best defensive right back for England would be Juan Bissaka. And Luke Shaw is obviously, you have to pick Luke Shaw. He's been playing so well this year as a left back for them. And Juan Bissaka is going to hold that up. He'll hold that right side. He's absolutely brilliant there. And it'll give Sterling, whoever it might be on that side, more of a chance to go forward because they know there's such a good defender behind him, whereas he can't. Yeah. Well, like have, you know, you watch, you watch the, the the plan, the plan when Man United play a lot of the times against the top team. It, the, the, the top teams will say, "Okay, Wembasaka, you have the ball because we know you're not going to do much going forward." They kind of give that space to him, and then the tactic against against Trent is basically like, "We know he's not going to be there half the time because he's going to be off the pitch, so we yeah. go for that side." And when Henderson is playing on the right side, Trent doesn't get exposed as much. Um, but when Henderson injured, and you have like Thiago or you have Wijnaldum, they're not quite, they're not quite as good at you know uh, covering for Trent, uh, filling that void where he, when he goes forward as Henderson is. So like it, it all depends on what system and where like do, does Gareth say, okay, want to continue to play Henderson as a defensive midfielder or you play him on the right like like Klopp has. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, bar like I think there was a half season where he played like defensive midfield. Uh, I think it's clear to see that Henderson is a much better, much better when he's not um, when he's on the right, when he's not uh, kind of anchored yeah. in front of the the defense. So uh, I think like uh, you need options. Like uh, Southgate's team isn't good enough that uh, this is plan A. We're going to beat everybody with this. I think mm-hmm. Trent offers a lot of options. Um, I, I think Trent is only going to be great. Uh, I think the Sack is another one that nobody's talking about. But like international football, the standard isn't that high. Like he's going to have a lot, a, a lot of space. When Trent is given space, his 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 final delivery is unbelievable. Like even even without space, him and he's he's getting like 13, 12 assists a season over the last couple of seasons. Um, if you look at the standard international football, they try to pretend like it's just kind of like oh, yeah, can terrible, he do it? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. 
will he be in international? It's nowhere near. It's nowhere near. Like you know what I mean? It's fucking nowhere near. And when you have a player like flair players can really be the ones that make the difference. You don't have to start this guy. You can bring him on. Like you know what I mean? Um, I think he has to be in the squad. Like, but from a, from a, a Liverpool point of view, I don't care. Like you know, it's less chance of him getting injured, more rest. You know, if he if he doesn't go. But from an England perspective, like if if I was an England fan, I would definitely like. I don't care but if like if if Roy Keane is a Man United player like I don't I, like when the whole side fan thing I wanted him in the team because he's you know what I mean I don't care like mm-hmm. oh it's all like you know if if a player is a fucking if a player is the best player or a very good player and needs to be in, in the team to improve the team then he should be there like at least in the squad like I think I think I don't know like I I think it's no surprise to anybody that like you know Trent will be caught up the pitch and have to come back and not yeah. be the best Look, right back defensively in the world because that's not his position. Trent is what he is but like the, I don't think England are ever going to be what suits Trent to be honest and you can I, I think if if Trent Alexander-Arnold was Irish right we could build a whole team around him because we're fucking shit everywhere else. But England have too many good players to build it around a right back like that, and they don't have good enough centre backs. But if you look at if problem. you look at the recent games that Trent played and the amount of chances he created, oh yeah, but you like, don't think uh, Harry that's Kane wants, wants yeah, but, Trent but like, playing. If, you don't if, think if these Trent guys want. Playing, if Trent is playing against fucking Bulgaria or against you know fucking the Faroe Islands, absolutely because they're going to have the ball the whole time and play him. But if you're playing against fucking Brazil or I uh, know it's the Europe, but if you're playing against Germany or Spain or something like that, I would not trust him in a years i play i play kyle walker there are one basaka reese james is good as well but uh, like, yeah but how many games are they going to play against the top teams like they have to you know yeah um, but kyle walker is still very good as well though. as I would, well and i would trust kyle walker to, to play but he is, is he though yeah, is, yeah, like good, kyle yeah. walker's final product uh, up the pitch is is non-existent like how many assists does he get a season good. like still, two like, three like yeah, I, I don't know. I would I like I would just wouldn't trust Trent Alexander Arnold in it. If I was picking a team and I had to go and I win a tournament, I would maybe I would have him as a sub maybe to bring him on, but I would not trust him to start because he like he we've seen in the last week it's just exactly right what Trent is. About, though, yeah. yeah, right back. We he cost him a whole he got him the Champions right League this year basically. Perfect. Yeah, but it's, oh, it's not over yet. You know, it, it obviously he made a bad mistake. Allison has made bad mistakes. What's People up to Allison mistakes. this year? Top players make mistakes. Allison's been terrible this yeah, year. Yeah, like you know, even the best players, you know, you, you see they go through patches. Like you know what I mean? We've seen it with loads of players. Like you name the best player in the world, uh, they've had bad patches. Yes, like, um, yeah, like but like he may turn out to be one of the best players in the world in the future. It doesn't just because he has a bad patch yeah. at some stage when he's younger doesn't mean like Messi's had bad patch. Ronaldo's had like games where he's not scored for like streaks of games where he's not scored yeah, like it happens to everybody um what do you think is the so like uh, trent is a young guy in a, in in a position he's still nah, learning trent has had he his never good played patch. it up until three years ago he'll never be a great player he, he's had uh, his best days now he's like cold player with yellow he's had his best days from the very start okay come here <laughs> Who's, who do you think is the, the first album yeah, who do you think is the that's true who do you think is the best goalkeeper in the premier league this year and we landed on this now this year couldn't be Allison. he's had too many mistakes no um there hasn't been any real standout goalkeeper um henderson's been bad the hay has been bad uh mendy he looked like he was going to be good but he's gone a bit he's gone a bit wobbly ederson has been 
I suppose he hasn't got much to do. Um, I don't understand. Nick very Pope. lucky, very, very lucky that he wasn't sent off and, <laughs> in the Champions League for kicking the guy. Yeah, uh, that was they, a, they scored. I, oh my god, that was the worst decision I've they ever scored, seen. They scored. He kicked him and it got for free. Like that could have been a red card uh, or or a goal against, and it, it ends up being a fucking free out. So that Bellingham looks good as well. Yeah, he's always a bit dodgy as well. Nobody, there's no real like. No outstanding goalkeeper this, this season in the Premier League so far. I, I, I would go with Nick Pope even though I don't rate him that highly I don't think he's great but I think he's been the most steady goalkeeper in the Premier League this year I'd probably go for him I don't know uh, sorry the Villa keeper Martinez yeah, Martinez has probably been the big, one who's made the most difference you know yeah. What a, a fucking difference he's made! Like, <laughs> what are Arsenal thinking getting rid of him? He's a better. Like, even against there. Liverpool, there he made a couple of good saves. Yeah. yeah, I think they got offered a lot. Of, I think it was like twenty, twenty-five million or something yeah. for a sub goalkeeper, and you know, Dean Henderson. Um, Dean, but, uh, Dean, Dean has Villa, made many um, errors this year. Yeah, he's dodgy enough. To be nah, he's not. I, I like think? him. No, he's better than the hair. Well, that doesn't take much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, go on. Shall we leave it at that? That was a that was a very civil discussion for us. Sure, Kelleher, Kelleher is, the, the Irish, the Irish Premier League goalkeeper Kelleher has been flawless in his uh, yeah, in his tiny amount of time he's played. <laughs> bring him on, bring him on. Uh, all right, everybody. Uh, thank Champions you very League much. goalkeeper. I, I wonder. There's like three people still listening to this. <laughs> I guarantee you. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do an inspirational quote of the week because there's no one listening. I don't wanna. I don't wanna ruin it. But uh, thanks everybody for listening. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Severe. May sign up at five picks.com uh, and as well if you're uh, that way inclined sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and uh, help us out the price of a pint a month you'll be keeping the lights on I need a new computer and everything like that so uh, <laughs> hopefully you could help us out with that and we'd have better production and everything like that uh, so yeah thank you Graham thank you to everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you all next time good luck <laughs>